Let's make sure history never forgets the name. Sci-fi melody. Got out. Hello, sickies. Welcome back to the Satellite of Spite. Wow. Being rude today, aren't we? What? You didn't let Thomas ask his question. Oh, uh, sorry, but, you know, I kind of want to lead into today's episode with a trivia guessing game. You know, if you get the answers right, it'll tell you the name of the film. Isn't it bad enough that we have to watch the film? Oh, come on, guys. I just want to do something fun. Riddly, you know, Jokester June, jokes, riddles, fun. Uh, fine. Oh, cool. Cool. Thanks, guys. I didn't say you could. Clue number one. Aside from Norman Osborn, the Green Goblin, who's the second most famous goblin foe of Spider-Man? Red Goblin? But you mean when the Carnage symbiote and Green Goblin merged? Well, I mean, that did happen, but that was just one story arc, and no. Wow, I'm kind of surprised you knew that. Okay, fine. Goblin King. Uh, I'm sure you guessed that one, but surprisingly, that was also a goblin foe. Hello, that was just Norman under a different name. Oh, Goblin Queen? Wow, you guys really know your goblin foes? You're guessing well, because... No, no, there is a Goblin Queen, but not this one, not Dr. Kafka. Too new. Uh, okay, what about the one called Menace? Wow, you guys must be using Google or something. No, okay, okay. Narrow in on the one with the last name Kingsley. Uh... Uh, Google's not giving me anything. What? You got, You either knew all the others or... Uh, okay, okay. Let's try an easier one. In D&D, the two types of goblin foes are goblin and... Troll. Troll. Ogre. No and no. Uh, kobold. Owlbear. Uh, Kaka. Harpy. Um... Uh, ooh, what is it? It is a gargoyle. White? Goblin. No, you already said that one. Urakai? Are you guys just reading the monster manual? I knew some of them. <sighs> okay, fine, fine. One more clue. The name of the film is... Got it, got it. Hobgoblin. Huh, finally found the page, huh? No, I, I just saw the one standing behind you. What? No, what? That's Louise, our exchange student fake daughter. She was going to be on the show today. Whoops. No, bye. No, don't go. They're just, I want you to be on the show. They're just idiots. Oh, oh man. I, I really, really screwed up here. Oh, great. Now the movie's starting. Well, you guys enjoy the show. I got to go fix this. Louisa, I'm sorry. Uh, good one, Scott. Sci-Fi Melody, Symptom 244, Hobgoblins, my favorite one is Bounce Bounce. Welcome back, sickies, to Jokester June, and we are kicking it off the second episode with Hobgoblins. And, uh, good one, Scott, really nice. Well, you were the one who tortured her with watching this film. She actually enjoyed it very much. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> I okay, this is the kind of movie I would have watched to make fun of anyway, but having the MS3K guys really make it easier. 
Raving Lunatic Media does not support jokes uh, on someone's personal appearance unless it's Snooky that you're calling a troll or a hobgoblin. Oh, well, as long as there's an exception, right? (laughs) (laughs) There's an exception to every rule? I I guess so. So, uh, but we do, however, recommend you see this film because before we get into anything... Whoa, 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 whoa. You might recommend it. Okay, I recommend it. What? You didn't enjoy laughing at this? Uh, I would well, more recommend watching... You didn't say watching Mystery K's 3000's rendition of this and watching of it. You just well, said the film. Okay, I, fine, fine. I would not recommend this film by itself. Okay, well, that's not surprising. But the MS3K version would you recommend? Let's put it that way. It makes it more tolerable. Well, it is one of the more famous MS3K episodes of all things. It seems like the worse the movie, the better the MS3K episode. Oh, for sure. No, I, yes. I think that goes without saying. It normally but, goes that way. Yeah, right, right. So, um, let me just get careening through the plot and the trivia, because honestly, there's not much here. There's a plot? And then we... Yeah, there is. There's always a plot. It doesn't have to be good. So the basic story is a kid, Kevin, gets a job at a uh, film studio where back in the 50s, some aliens landed and they, the guy who was working there that's still working there in the 80s called them hobgoblins. And uh, they would basically get tap in your mind and create your greatest fantasies. And that wound up people killing each other. So he locked him in the vault. Idiot assistant at the beginning, not Kevin opens up the vault, lets the hobgoblins out. Or no, wait, no, he doesn't. He gets killed. Kevin is uh, one day chasing a bad guy on a film studio lot, opens up the vault by accident. Hobgoblins get out. Hilarity ensues. They blow him up at Club Scum. And at the end, uh, old man who looks like Andy Griffith blows up the hobgoblins. That's about it. Okay. Some Some other stuff happened, too, that we'll get into. I think I think that's pretty good, right? I mean... I think that about narrows it down. And it was less uh, than a minute. It's far it less a, than a minute. It also made more sense in the script, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I did try to cut out a lot of the flotsam so that it would just cut right to the quick. So I can think of, look, of four ways to make this movie better immediately. You mean the first way being not make it at all? No. Um, I would cast DeForest Kelly as the old man security guard. I think Bones would have really hit his sarcasm. <laughs> could he have? Could could he be wearing his leisure suit? Yes, yes, leisure suit, Larry Larry McCoy in there. And then you got to yes. mix in when when uh oh, he's dead, Jim. I don't know who Jim is. The hobgoblin killed him. <laughs> we recast <laughs> we re we recast Kevin with Zach Morris, Mark Paul Gosling. <laughs> We recast Discount Jesse Spano with Elizabeth Berkley, and it's actually Jesse Spano. You know, she did look like her anyway. And we recast um, Military Dude with Mario Lopez. And instantly. Saved by the the Hobgoblins? Yes, but it would be instantly significantly better than what we watched. Especially if the intro is the Saved by the Bell intro, but we change Bell with. Save by wait that doesn't work um even if you couldn't get the save by the bell kids to do this right right if you couldn't get the save by the bell kids to do this i do think deforest kelly as the old man 
could have at least salvaged something because I think he would have been phenomenal in that role. But he yeah, would have looked at this been... script and said, nope, I've got a convention to do. <laughs> right. Well, not only that, they were still making Star Trek movies at that time, and some of them were still good. It's not like... Uh... I mean, this was pre-motion uh, picture. Or not no, motion picture. it was pre-Dear um, uh, God, Why? Yeah, it was pre-Dear God, Why? So, and, and motion picture was... Um, it was a miss, but not because it was necessarily a bad movie. Yeah, they'd just um, come off of uh, of the search for Spock. Yeah, and you would agree with that, Scott. That motion picture, it was a miss, but not because the story or anything was necessarily bad. It just was lost in the method. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty. I mean, much you did do a de- yeah, you did do a defense of it and basically said there are some really great scenes in this, ah. and the story itself wasn't bad. There's a lot there. They should have just elbowed Gene Roddenberry out of it. I mean, when you're wasting a lot of time just showing off the Enterprise, it's like, so we gonna do this movie, or are we just gonna watch the Enterprise circle the Enterprise for ten minutes? Yep, ten minutes, got it. Uh, Star Trek Two, arguably being one of the best Star Trek films out there. I mean, there are a few contenders that could maybe edge it out, but it, it makes anybody's top list. Um, Star Trek Two is it makes my top. Um. Star Trek 3 was, you know, it was okay. Doesn't get any favors being sandwiched between 2 and 4. Yeah, it, it's okay. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. It was okay. 4 was just funny. And then we get, uh, well, we get the Dear God Why. And then we get, and then we finish it with Star Trek 6, which was amazing. Yes. Which... Which, I mean, we're way off rails now, which shows you how much we disregard the movie Hobgoblin. Yeah, I didn't mean to do that. I just, meant to, I just meant to have people try to imagine uh, Bones McCoy as the old security guard well, and how much better the movie would have been just with I, that. I kept picturing the security guard as, as uh, Andy Griffith. Andy Griffith's brother. But, anyway. So, let's get through the trivia, because that'll take just about as much time i think because there's not a lot let's start with the trivia of the movie itself um let's see oops excuse me wrong one 1988 when did motion picture come out by the way 79 79 no i'm not i'm sorry uh dear god why i want to say let me look that up but i want to say it was like 90 or 91 Oh, okay. Yeah, that sounds right. Anyway, so the Hobgoblin puppets were operated by a woman who had just been released from a mental hospital. I don't know if that's true, but, you know, tracks. The film was shot... It makes sense. Yeah, the film was shot without permits. Shock. Uh, Rick Sloan, the director, didn't see the puppets for the film until the night before the first day of shooting, at which point it was too late to do anything about it. In fact, if you notice, a lot of the times the puppets are just being thrown at the actors because they didn't actually move. They look like stuffed toys because they were. So, whoopsie doodle. The film was budgeted at $15,000 and shot in a single week. And in that budget, I'm pretty sure most of the budget went into blowing up the car. I'm like 90% sure that that was most of the budget. Blowing up the car and the other pyrotechnics. Because, I mean, what else were they doing? 
It was probably filmed at someone's house using people's cars. Uh, their weapons consisted of a starter pistol and rakes. <laughs> <laughs> I think they had a crowbar in there at one point, too. Yeah, I'm but they surprised. apparently forgot about the crowbar and went with the garden hoe. <laughs> so they probably needed weapons. They were just like, I don't know, just look in the garage. Hey, I found these. Good enough. Bring them out. So, uh, yeah. let's see. The film studio was in a parking lot that was deserted at night next to a crack house. <laughs> Some of these trivia, by the way, I cannot say if they're true or not, but I'm reading them because, dear God, I hope they are true. Um, so, allegedly, Rick Sloan says, Sloan, the director, says he wrote the first draft after watching Gremlins. Or, excuse me, prior to watching Gremlins. Sure I guess he, he was... Yeah, uh-huh. I guess he was um uh I guess he was trying to cover up for that. Um so, oh, remember when I said the weapon was a starter pistol? I I spoke a bit too soon. I forgot about this detail. The uh gun was actually a cap pistol from a toy store. He couldn't even afford a starter pistol. Yeah, they couldn't even borrowed someone's gun. They couldn't have just wow. gone to someone on the set and been like does anybody own a handgun? Any handgun will do. It yeah, doesn't except, matter. We're not even going to shoot it. Just bring it here. You don't even have to have it loaded. Just bring it to the set. Well, Censoring bad badly. joke revolving a Baldwin. Yeah, I was about to say, we, we've just had an incident recently that we might have a good I know, reason I'm why just, not. I'm just saying, but this was 1988. You would think someone would be like, hey, who here? Has a handgun. Somebody has to have a handgun. We're filming next to a crack house. Come on. I had nope. more realistic toy guns <laughs> as a kid. I know. That. So yeah, I, technically, I, I had a paperweight that was more realistic of a gun than that. I, I've seen lighters that look like that that were more realistic. So, yeah. But hey, I mean, maybe they painted it. I don't know. But they were filming at night, so they probably just figured, ah, screw it. No one's going to know. Fun fact, this film was greenlit, bankrolled, and paid for after the director slash writer caught a studio executive spending the night at the crack house. <laughs> yeah. The, and, then, and then they realized, Rick Sloan realized how bad of a negotiator he was when he was like, oh, keep my silence for 15 grand. Okay, here's your check. Done. I, why did I give him the lit? That, why did I give him such a small amount? I'm at 50 grand. 50. Too late. You cash the check. 15 grand yeah. and 5K in Coke? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, oh. So we were talking about the old man. John Carradine, you know, Kung Fu, was approached to play the old man who owns the movie studio, but his agent asked for too much money. So I guess he asked for what a thousand bucks. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> I will do this. I will do this role for a million dollars per minute. <laughs> oh yeah, well that's probably what he did because uh, he, he hit him with the I mean, he saw the, price. He saw the script and was like, uh, "How do I get out of this?" <laughs> yeah, just pull a uh, just pull a uh, Dali with Jodorowsky. I want five thousand dollars a minute. Well, yeah, I guess that's done. I mean, you were really reaching for the stars when you asked him. That guy was 
at the time still fairly popular so uh you were really reaching for the stars on that one fun fact um fake fun fact from scott the actors and mm -hmm. actresses were paid in monopoly money and ramen noodles <laughs> <laughs> they did not realize this until well after the fact when they tried to spend their monopoly money wouldn't surprise me uh, a couple more. A pit bull's growl was used for the voice of the hobgoblins. Well, that makes sense. Um, okay. Rick Sloan planned on making a sequel in 1990 and even had it written a screenplay for it, but nothing ever came of it. Not true. They did make a part two. Um, Steve Boggs, the shorts guy, he, those were his own pink shorts in the movie. Why that shows up, I don't know, but it's fun to hear. You usually don't have to supply your own wardrobe in a movie. <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> that would be funny if they had to. And uh, if you don't own any makeup, that would be great if you could bring that. All right, hey, I'm here to film. Um, can you direct me to wardrobe? Nah, man, you're just going in what you wore to the set, man. Let's go. Good enough. <laughs> <laughs> now, the ladies, we picked up something off a couple dead crack whores over in the... <laughs> the crack house. You can choose to wear those if you want to. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, I think the rest of it are just that's the rest of these fun facts are just so and so wanted to do this, so and so wanted to do that. Um, and no, that's not they're not fun. But now let's do the MS3K uh, fun facts for this movie. There's only a few. Uh, oh, I should, probably should have said this. This is Season 9, Episode 7 of MS3K, by the way. So, creator backlash. So, at the end, when the credits are rolling, uh, for the movie Hobgoblins, they fake uh, interview Rick Sloan and make fun of him. They're like, were you on crack when you made this movie? Oh, yes, I was smoking a copious amount of crack. You know? And uh, now Rick Sloan said that he really liked the job they did making riffing into the episode in his movie, but was mortified to hear them insulting him personally towards the end, uh, especially because it wasn't common in the show. Uh, he regularly he did say that he asked for it by with his film, but he wished they hadn't done it. So. Um. Oh, okay. So he didn't like that they made fun of him personally. Although he later admitted, "Well, with that kind of film, I guess I asked for it." Okay. I have a question. If yeah. I sit there and horribly deconstruct a Rage Master rips a clip and just make fun of every single thing about it for the entire mm -hmm. time it runs in the background. Is there any difference between insulting you personally as the creator and insulting the product that you created? Um, I would say yes, yes, because yeah, because everybody can make something bad. Everyone has a bad moment. I mean, let's <clears throat> let me rephrase. If I make fun of, if someone makes fun of my riffing of Star Trek, dear God, why? And at the end of it, they say, Scott, how much crack did you smoke before you? Uh, before you wrote that. I don't think there's any difference in making that and insulting uh, the finished product. Now, if they come out there and say, Scott, you must be the kind of person who likes to kick puppies in the head, um, then that's insulting me in a different way. But like, if I'm just insulting you for how high were you when you made this product, 
it's kind of the same thing as insulting the product. Yeah. Um, well, uh, yeah. I mean, it. I, I, I think it, as you put it, it just it depends on how you're insulting them. If you're saying yes, like, were you on drugs when you made this movie? Okay, that's insulting the movie. Uh, it, it's implying that the movie sucks. Sucks. So I, I, I don't think that's really a direct assault on someone as much as a. Uh, the product. If but you're, they, I'm sorry, go on. I mean, if you're attacking the person's character, that's a different story. But they, they kind of did when they were like, well, did someone open your skull and replace your brain with rat droppings? You know, that, <laughs> oh, that was, well, that was, that had they not uttered that joke, you'd be uh, dead on, Thomas. Because, yeah, it would be like, wow, what were you on when you made this movie? It, you know, uh, but can you i guess it's a however thomas brings up a good point it depends very much on the situation um because i'll i'll be the first to admit when i make fun of a or rip into a anything written by jj abrams i'm also ripping into him and i say he's a bad writer his character i don't know anything about him i can't speak to that but i can say he's a bad writer and he doesn't know how to make a complete story. So I'm not ripping him. Like Thomas said, I'm not ripping into his character. I'm just saying you suck at this. You got very lucky because you latched onto the right person to give you the right connection. If this, if meritorious conduct were the means by which you could get famous in filmmaking, you would be not famous right now. You would be working some other job. Because so you would be the camera boy. So yeah, yeah uh, I, I I I think honestly they they took some of the ripping a little further than they had to. Yeah. But again, it's one of those things where I can't really fault them because yeah, it's one of those where you just like if I was talking to you that would be a comment I would have. Was this guy on drugs? Right. So, it, you know, I would say that the rat dropping brain comment was personal. Everything else up to that, though. First of all, if your movie's on MS3K, um, <laughs> it sucks. You, yeah, it's it's the same thing if your song's getting parodied by Weird Al. Um. No. Well, no, 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 no. 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 Here's no. why. Here's why. Here's why. Here's. Bear with me. You know there's going to be ribbing, okay? Whether it's a good song or not, you know he's going to rib into it. So, okay, um, you oh, you oh. have to know that that's going to happen. And okay. remember, parody, too, I can accept that. But your comment earlier was not specifying ribbage. You were yeah, but a, mer- a parody, a bad, a parody you were makes saying a bad. If a movie's bad, it's on MSK. But then you went weird out bad no he parried parried some very good songs I mean, too he parried but he American also rips in, he also rips into them though some of them i mean remember yeah. nirvana smells like teen spirit what is this song all about can't figure any lyrics out how do the words to it go i wish you'd tell me i don't know he compared kurt cobain's singing to talking with marbles in your mouth i i i, I forgot the next verse oh well i guess it pays to rehearse so but Nirvana thought that was hilarious, so they loved their parody. But um, 
Now, Weird Al doesn't get as insulting as they were with the brain comment, but um, well, it's just the idea. Like like Thomas says, it depends very much on the situation. Yeah. Well, and again, I can't. I mean, I can't fault them a hundred percent for the simple fact that we watched this once. They've said this multiple times. They have to watch these films multiple times. Yeah. Many a time. So to get all this right and timing right and all the Mm -hmm. jokes. So I can only imagine how many times they actually had to watch this film over and over and over again. Right. You know, I'm not going to fault them for attempting to make a joke because already in this recording, I've made it a joke that I'm 50-50 on asking Ruck to edit out. You're going for humor. Humor humor has to... It's subjective. It's subjective. Yeah, but you can't really make a joke that's funny without putting Getting close hurting someone's feelings. Well, you can. It's just it. not all comedy works that way. Very, and... Uh, that's why that's why oftentimes you can't really sue a comedian because they're given one of the widest latitudes um simply unless they're actually calling for death and telling people go kill that person or whatever or steal that thing unless they're spurring people on to crime you kind of just have to give them the widest latitude and say it's a joke most comedy is most comedy is making light of something I mean, that's right. how it works. You're yeah. laughing because you're making light of something. And, you know, some comedy tends to make, you know, go up that ladder and up that scale. Asking if he had his head cut open and re- his brain replaced with rat droppings is going does way not up the cross ladder. The, but I yeah, don't but think, it doesn't cross the line of, like, that should be banned or anything. That's exactly. just... Was it, was it in good taste? I don't know, but that's not worthy. Personally, I have I have no problem with the joke. Um, I I, I made a joke today about rocket. Thanks. <laughs> jokes are subject subjective. Yes. And jokes are supposed to get either close to that line or cross that line because that w- is what comedians' jobs are. In many ways, is to make it. Talk about subjects that are sometimes uncomfortable. Yep. Personally, I'm and done even- getting upset at comedians for the jokes they make, whatever the joke happens to be, because it's a joke. And if you're looking for seriousness in a joke, there's a mistake in the con- understanding the context of what it is in the first place. But that's my personal preference. Yeah. Other and, people are and free if you to don't, do what they want to. And, and, and sometimes a joke does not land and you don't laugh at it. It's not the end of the world. Yeah, and you're free to walk away from it and just go, eh, I hate that. Okay, yep. then just walk away. No one, yeah. no one, you don't have to. In the same way that uh, even if they had removed that, you know, personal statement of Rick Sloan, he could have always said, how dare you? I really meant to make this a good movie. Well, well I mean, tough. Because <laughs> there just- are people out there that just don't have the thick enough skin uh, someone could come along. It hasn't happened yet, but let's just say ZTF takes off to any degree of notoriety, however great or small, and we get a comment that it's infantile, childish, and someone makes jokes about it. I have to have the thick enough skin to go. Yep. All right. Someone, not someone's bag. Yeah. Well, well uh, 
So anyway, I think what he could have um, done was say, listen, um, you know, you roll with it. You know, you made a bad film. You've admitted you made a bad film and you can just roll with that joke at the end and say, turns out I found out that I did have my brain replaced with rat droppings. Aliens had abducted me, took my brain, replaced with rat droppings. And it was an experiment to see if someone could tell the difference between a writer with a human brain and a movie writer with rat droppings for a brain. Turns out that they could, and then the aliens, after the successful completion of the experiment, gave me my brain back, so I wish someone would let me write Hobgoblins 2 to prove this. So, and he wound up doing that. Yeah. So, there well, you go, I mean, Stickies. Well, <laughs> let's discuss the crappy movie that yes, came out of the Yes, I was going to say, <laughs> Stickies, let's, uh, now you've heard our uh, own dissertation on the concept of jokes and Jokester June. I guess it fits, and let's get back to the, the, the review, but... Now you know our f- feelings about that. There is one more uh, trivia point I want to mention. That uh, what they wanted to do um, was originally they were going to do a film by Rick Sloan called Vice Academy, but they found out that they felt it was a bit too risque and sexual. So they actually contacted the director to see if he had anything else. He offered a couple other films, Blood Theater and The Visitants, but he didn't really find those movies. They didn't find those movies interesting. So then they found his movie Hobgoblins and went, Oh, here we go. So that's how that worked out. Too risque. Um, I, well, you know, a lot of these B directors like to, um, push the line if they can. And the, the other films are too risque, not Hobgoblins. Hobgoblins made the cut. The other two films were too sexual. He felt the director, the, the, writer felt well i guess because yeah they did somehow end up in a strip club at in this film so i guess if it goes more (laughs) this this one which no reason to end up there and have sexual assault almost happen yeah i guess risque if this is on the bottom i don't want to see where it goes right right yeah if if this was their lesser form um but I don't know. I don't think there was anything risque about this film. This film is risque. Not at all. This film Not at is all. a 10-year-old's opinion of risque. Well, well that's, <laughs> what I'm, that's what Thomas is saying. He's yeah. like, if this is their version, then we're good. Yeah. Um, but, so, and, and again, you really just kind of have to, well, let's just get to the rips and picks because, uh, you know, uh, as I said, when you're uh, when your movies debuted on a show like this, you kind of just have to roll with it. And so let's get into the rips of the film and picks of the rips. So uh, ooh, this ooh. is where you give your favorite jabs or your part of the movie that even if you if we were watching just the film, you'd rip into it. Go, Thomas. Here's a pick on a rip type rakes. Really, your big fight yeah. scene is. Hey, it's not even quick. It's a long fight scene with rakes. Yes. Oh my god. And I love the I'll train you in unarmed combat. Yes, because the army teaches our men how to fight with guard implements. Yeah, no, no, no. Unarmed combat A means not having any rakes or anything. Unarmed means hand to hand with no rakes. I'm glad you mentioned this because you guys, to no shock to you guys, this is my third time watching this film. And the first time I saw it and he said unarmed combat and they went out of the house and took those implements, I went, wait a minute, unarmed, Wait, but shouldn't you be using your fists and kicks and punches? I mean, what, 
and or wrestling or something grappling isn't isn't the technical definition of an arm something that extends the length of the arm yeah now don't get me wrong the military teaches with pugil sticks and things like that but that's not um unarmed combat training no that training but not unarmed that is normally you know either weapons or it's just you know martial training or some kind of martial arts training but not unarmed unarmed more more goes on to jiu-jitsu uh maga, so stuff like that yeah where you just have your hands and the army does train that stuff yes and it does train you know pugil sticks and stuff but when he says unarmed you expecting like flips or submissions or chokeholds, something like that. But then you pick up a rake, a rake, and then to have the weirdest choreographed fight ever. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's like, huh, huh, huh. Uh, this is like. <laughs> sword fighting on a stage level of stupid. In in fact, you when you're watching it, what you're thinking is, "So this is what you learned in the army, huh?" <laughs> yeah, we're we're, we're doomed. Uh, more <laughs> we're, if the what, Soviets invade, yeah. we're done. Just in fact, just lay down your rakes, guys, because it's over. Diplomats, no, it's I, all on you. <laughs> no, what I was thinking was, ah. I think this guy picked up his uniform at Salvation Army and he's playing soldier. There's that too. Which, here's another rip. So, he has grenades, huh? Like, he just took grenades off the base. That That's not an infraction, no. And, and then his sergeant was letting him chuck grenades around club scum. Yeah, he just, they just take grenades and walk around with them. Yeah, what? No. That's- you can't get training like this at camp. <laughs> yeah. yeah the, well, how the grenades themselves are just making little fireballs. It's like, shouldn't Club Scum be falling apart right now with the number of grenades he's chucked around? Well, he, he, he stole the training grenades. No, this is the biggest rip of I my... Guess. This is the biggest rip of my... Uh, of the film. The hobgoblins can get into your brain and make you live out your fantasy, correct? Yeah. Into your brain to make you believe that your fantasy is occurring. But everyone else gets to see it too, apparently. And it takes form. So the woman who is just a figment of the pants dude's imagination can actually push the car and block a strike from Kevin. The grenades that he's conjuring out of the ether and throwing in the air become real. They became real. Um, how? So, how? Well, you see, Scott, the thing is, uh, you're overthinking it. (laughs) You're putting more thought into this than Rick Sloan did. Is this like the Muppet Babies going to Imagination Land, but it becomes real? Or make-believe? You got it! Bingo! (laughs) Oh, how about this one? I mean, obviously, you can tell the amount of a thought was put into this club scum. Yeah, yeah, that's not gonna. That's that. That's not gonna generate any. Any. That, that, uh, yeah, because that's going to be the best name for a club. Because that will totally get you traffic and great right, traffic again. Club scum. 
what a 12-year-old who's never been to a strip club <laughs> believes that a strip club is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and get the name of that, the bouncer, Road Rash. Yes. How many yes. fake IDs do you and, need? <laughs> As the waitress is standing there. <laughs> and the yep. waitress, the waitress, who talks like this? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's like, Rick, I, I got to know. What kind of establishments do you frequent? Well, obviously not dance clubs, strip clubs, or anything else, because he also doesn't know, apparently know what dancing or a party is. Um, it, no. Well, I mean, look at the band they got, the Fontanelles. How well, are they, it, no, I'm talking like even the dancing in a house. Oh, my uh, yes. Well, gosh. we're having a dance party. We're going to put our tape in, and we're just going to wail, wiggle wail around and wig out and floppy headed dance yeah the only dancing i ever saw that was worse than that in the film was uh Snoopy. troll no troll 2 <laughs> troll 2 okay if you ever watch that film in fact just youtube it one day uh troll do 2 do i have to no you don't have to but troll 2 teenage dancing scene uh yeah that's the worst dancing i've ever seen in a film and, and the director second Honestly, Troll 2, if I were to take off my gosh, I love B-movie glasses and evaluate it, Troll 2 is worse. So, so It's worse troll because there's fewer and things. That, they are neck and neck, but Troll 2. Ooh, okay. They are neck and neck, I'll grant you, but Troll 2 wins because there are things in there that just don't make sense. It's about trolls, but there's no trolls in it. And this one made sense? Well, at least they called them hobgoblins. <laughs> but the basis I, of Troll 2 is that troll goblins, not trolls, goblins are in a place called Nilbog, which is goblins spelled backwards, and they dress up as humans and force people to eat this green goo that turns them into vegetable matter so the trolls could eat, or I'm sorry, so the goblins could eat them. And that okay. was his big slam against veganism. Oh, yeah, there's also a druid and a piece of Stonehenge in the middle of the town, which if you touch the stone and concentrate, whatever that means, you'll kill all the goblins. You know, th that's where we're getting, okay? Hmm. Um, back to ripping this movie. Yeah. How are they paying for anything in the club? Daphne stupidly suggested that they have one person hold all the wallets, and then the guy and at the end the of the line produced a switchblade and gave me the wallet. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So yeah. did they have money in their shoes? Are they on credit? Does Club Scum give free drinks away because the guy who robbed him for his wallets happens to be the owner and he now considers he's been paid for the night? Well, they well, gave no, away no, no, free. No. They gave away free IDs. Also, don't forget they. But she's known though, apparently. Oh yeah, that's true too. So maybe they just know her and she has credit there. <laughs> Again. Things that make no sense because women who don't work at those types of clubs usually are regulars at them, right? <laughs> well, uh, well, well, yeah, and they. Well, when you're just a complete and utter. I, I don't know how else to say this. Trash whore person? I mean, there's no way of go getting around it because that's her character. They gave her no other character trait than that. Yeah, do you think Daphne enjoyed her 45 seconds of glory when the van was rocking? 
<laughs> well, when the vans are rocking, you don't come a knocking, which also brings up the question why are we having a dis- discussion in front of the rocking van? <laughs> yeah. Couldn't we have this discussion anywhere else? No, has to be in front of the rocking van. Okay. They go into the van dressed. The van rocks for 45 seconds. They come out of the van dressed. I'm concluding nothing actually happened in there. What? What I, yeah, oh no, for sure. They just <laughs> no. clearly got it. Plus, considering how fast the van started rocking, they clearly just closed the door and started pushing against the wall. Yeah. Well, again, I'm pu- as we've discussed before, I don't think he's been in a strip club, a dance party, so I don't know if he's had sex either. So, write what you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, uh, dude. <laughs> so. The other uh, interesting thing of note, the rip, is that um, Amy, so her fantasy, I guess, is to get leered at and looked at in a way, in a longing way, let's call it. Yeah, that's a very interesting fantasy, really going really sexist, this whole film. So she and she notices the ad in the paper which I guess they were looking at. She was looking at scene magazine for those that don't know. Scene magazine is a free publication here in Cleveland that uh, is willing to have ads for that kind of thing. And uh, so she sees it basically low uh, nightly and nudely. And then she starts thinking, Hmm, I want to do that. And that's her fantasy, I guess. So she goes outside where the, where Freddie Freddie chuckles, bounce, bounce, and the claw are, and they give her the fantasy to want to go do that, and she leaves, and even though they're not near her, she still has the fantasy, unless one goes with her. I, you know, I, I don't know. And then I don't know. when the fantasy's I, broken, she, she's like, I don't like this, but you know I do. I do like this. She goes, I've always just been um, Daphne's friend. I mean, well, I, this is an uh, interesting way. This is an interesting 1980s, late 1980s take on female empowerment. Feel better about yourself by realizing by that you have been marginalized as a sex symbol. These guys yeah, don't know you because of anything about your character, your intelligence, your personality. You got up on the stage and stripped, and now you're something in somebody's eyes, and this validates your self worth. That well, is an stop. interesting take yeah. on female empowerment here in 1980s. Well, stop trying to understand the logic of yeah. this movie, there, too, because it doesn't make no. any sense no. any time where you're just like, ah, yes. Pants Dude tries to pick up Daphne less than two hours after she watches her boyfriend get burned to death by an exploding grenade, or she thinks so. And she's about to go and roll with it until he shows up with what looks like a severe sunburn and in need of a yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is another point. He, wow, for being on fire, he pulled through pretty well. And also, suddenly doesn't need the crutches all of a sudden. Yeah. And apparently, Pants Dude's entire fantasy is about getting laid once. And yeah, I, I, obviously, again, I don't think the, he actually knows what it is because. This doesn't seem like this is actually going to go anywhere. This fantasy seems very weird. 
yeah, twelve year old, like you, like Scott said. You know, there's a b- before we dive into the the picks on rips. I'm going to put a rip that is one of my picks, and that is the way the goblin hobgoblins worked, because clearly they were dolls. No, and when they, I and thought they when were they, so realistic. When they weren't being controlled by the puppeteer, they were who just, just shook the head up and down, and that was one of my picks. Was uh, yep, yep, yep. That's right. I agree. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> uh, but uh, so they are just being thrown at the actors who have to roll around with them and pretend that they're being attacked. <laughs> Which is another pick on Rip when. You know, Daphne's rolling around with this hobgoblin, and it's like, lady, I'm trying to get away with you. My claws are stuck on your clothes. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, that, um, I just, it's terrible, but it's awesome because it reminds me so much of like Ed Wood in the movie Bride of the Monster, where they had to, they had a octopus like a a radioactive octopus except they didn't have the machine to make the tentacles move so they had to have the actors fall into it and flail the tentacles around (laughs) and so we should review that one day but anyway my favorite rip that they did can you get a venereal disease from a movie (laughs) (laughs) that's your top yes yes (laughs) yep Oh. Or or how about this one? It's the eighties. Do a lot of coke and vote for Ronald Reagan. <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest, these rips and this comedy help get through it. Oh, I mean, because I mean otherwise I don't know how I'd be able to watch it. Oh, you you couldn't or Oh, ooh, the rip where they said, ah, now I have my outdoor eyebrows on. <laughs> <laughs> now I put on my outdoor eyebrows. <laughs> oh. Or uh, just the, the part where they first start, dr- the hobgoblins are driving the golf cart. Oh, good handling, smooth steering. I like it. <laughs> I like when the old guy's driving the golf cart. He does the same speed on the expressway. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what's that? This is a starter pistol. Just in case there's people at the front, just in case a race suddenly forms. <laughs> yep. Thank God it's a starter pistol. Cause, uh, Kevin fires it straight up in the air and then doesn't move. Like, dude, that bullet's yeah. coming back down. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah. You could have at yeah. least fired it into the wall or something. I mean, it might, you might have gotten lucky and embedded into it. Don't well, fire also- bullets into the air. Yeah, also, apparently the bad guy, your bandit, immediately just goes, oh, he knows how to use it by shooting it into the air. I'm gonna run. Okay. You're willing to take the the chance of hitting me and not the old man? (laughs) Plus the way he was, like, walking, creeping along, they're like, oh, he's walking along like an old-timey silent film bad guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like they're both Kevin and the old man are running, and he's like, "No, slower, more bandy legged." <laughs> getting this poor old dude to run. <laughs> like this dude, come oh. on, man, this dude hasn't ran in years. You're risking a broken hip on set by doing this. He needed yeah. the work. He needed the money, I guess. These are stairs. They're bad for your hips. 
<laughs> uh, let's see what else. Just the way. Meet the hobgoblins. Frankie chuckles. Bounce, bounce, and the claw. <laughs> and then when they're trying to get out of the house, ah, we'll leave you alone. Just tell us how to change the music. <laughs> or when the after that, when they all fall asleep on the couch. Hello, did you guys drink a gallon of Robitussin? <laughs> yeah, I, I, there's the thing about some of these rips though, is some of them just work well while watching the film. Yes, they do, and they don't. And some of them just don't. Some of them stick, and some of them you don't remember, but they work. They just work into the flow. You know, that was a point I wanted to make that some of these rips too require you to be either old enough or knowledgeable enough. Um, normally MS3K is pretty good about ripping in a way that's timeless, but this one, they, you know, they made jokes like, well, they got Fran Drescher to do that job or, yeah, yeah, or, or yeah. When they did that, I love the whole sequence with the band. But there's just, hey, this is that Basque Separatist rock. I've heard about this. Or, hey, it's Ronald oh, Reagan's yeah. band. And you're like, that's funny if you know the reference. But, you know, so it that's is gonna true. That's going to be a problem that, with this one. It won't age well. And it, it's, yeah, already, I mean, it, it's already struggling in some of its aging. I would say it ages well, but it doesn't age as well as like Space Mutinies could have. Because exactly. Space Mutiny was timeless. Uh, I showed this to Louisa, the fake daughter. She really did watch this with me. And she Sorry. laughed at it. She did laugh at it. But she didn't laugh at those jokes for obvious reasons. She's 17. She doesn't know. May maybe she knows who the Basque Separatists are. But even if she does, it's kind of like, meh meh whatever or oh it's ronald reagan's band ah yeah right there we go ronald reagan ah, ha, ha. and and for you or i or thomas might be like hey kind of does look like him i guess whereas anybody else would just be like meh they they did a lot of a lot of these jokes were dated and you can tell when they were made and um, yeah or the, the fran drescher thing if you oh, don't yeah. know who that is you know yeah Okay, the waitress does sound like Fran Drescher, but you have to know who that is to care. Even as simple as today's joke, you wouldn't have said, what did you guys do, split a keg of Robitussin? You'd have probably said NyQuil. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. I mean, Robitussin's still on the market, but you're right. You would pick something well, that's more widely well, known. Yeah, it, Robitussin is still there, but it's not the go-to. Or right. even Nyqu just NyQuil absolutely is now the yeah basically. i or mean it's a, it's a it is a name brand but it is also kind of yeah, like each, how clean kleenex or is you, or you'd kleenex. say yeah or you'd say cough syrup or yeah yeah you something split like a bottle that. of ambien <laughs> something yeah. yeah yeah but but that's that's one of the drawbacks that makes it funny for me but that makes sense why I would think it's funny. Oh, yeah. Someone younger might not. But but there's still a lot to enjoy. I mean, the band sequence itself, just when they're sitting at the table, can, can, you know, when the, the guy walks up, mm, 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 that's my show. Good night. <laughs> there's a craft and then, to what they do. Sure. And it's, it's and a then, unique... Sorry, Mark. Go ahead. I'll get back go, to that. No, I was going to keep going, but you, you, you're making a point, so go ahead. There, it's. It doesn't work 
as well when you pull it back. What did you do? Split a keg of Robitussin doesn't sound funny. But when you're watching it, it's the right timing and it's the cadence and it's the delivery. And sometimes you just need one or two words with the action that's going on in the screen. And it's funny because you have the visual timing, but also they're sequencing. It's not just how you delivered it, cadence and timing. It's the when, especially in relation to events that have happened beforehand. Because now, you know, what do you guys do? Split a keg of Robitussin is perfect because he's coming back from them just getting attacked by hobgoblins that shouldn't exist. And, and they're one on of the them couch. Is, and they're on the couch, and one of them is missing. And they might as well screw a thing of Robitus, and they might as well all have just taken a whole bottle full of Valium. They don't seem to care, you know? Um, so, and the timing and that, works because they shouldn't be like that. Well, and that's the key to comedy the time, the knowing. I mean, if you're a stand up, you have to know how to read the room. That's another layer because if the jokes aren't landing, you got to be able to pivot. Yeah. And I've seen that. I've been in a comedy show where. The comedian started and it just it wasn't working. There was very there were just some slight chuckles and that was it. And he was able to read the room and he finally found a joke that just clicked. Yeah. And once he got us going, it, but you got it, but you don't have, you have to do to that. Read the room, but yeah, it, if you're doing a live show, absolutely. So you don't, yeah. But with this MS3K, you're right. You got to know your cadence, and there's a lot of rehearsal about it. A lot of well, timing. Well, the, sure ultimate, the ultimate question is how many of these jokes landed and how did we actually think of this? Well, I, I think it landed well. I just wanted to punch out my last three with the band um, because that's the scene that I really remember the most when they're, uh, when they're making fun of the, you know, can we get some breadsticks or when they're like, Oh, he's singing the menu to us. That's great. You know, <laughs> yeah. let me tell you about our drink specials. Don't park in the alley or you'll get towed. And while I'm up here, let me point out the restrooms, you know? Yeah. And then it, and then while they're saying the name of the song, which by the way, was kiss kickers, kiss kickers, 99. And, uh, the next word was bootlicker. But they, uh, they're like kids Snickers and they're guessing what he's saying. And it ends pig liquor, iced fishers. And then it ends with fish pickers. That's our band. That's our song. Fish pickers. Oh, that's funny. So, but yeah, how do these jokes land? I guess that's a good, that that's a, a, probably a, good question for rating this i don't think they have Um, to land i I, honestly with something like this i think if they if one out of every four or five jokes lands you're probably doing well and that sounds insane but you're laughing if you're laughing once every minute or two minutes that's once every four or five jokes landing and it probably keeps you tuned in you're yeah and that's right that's right even if you don't catch and they give you enough that Mm -hmm. even if you miss one stick around you'll get one in five in ten seconds well, I mean, and, and that's the thing about this timing. They're putting so many in, but it's not like everyone hits or all of them hit the same way. You're not busting out, laughing your ass off at every single one. Some of these, it's just, eh, got it. Okay, cool. I see what you did there. Well, and two, I think it's also that they don't overdo it. They know how to, they know when to stop a joke. They know when to let some space happen in the movie without a joke 
when to give a minor one just for a chuckle, just to remind you. You know, like you said, Scott, it's about pacing and knowing not not to overdo it. And that's a big difference between these guys and say if the three of us were doing it, we might make a joke and then nail that thing into the ground for the next five minutes without stopping. No, missed, we we and never, missed half the movie. We rock, never stone face. <laughs> Right. We would just yeah. keep going and then miss half the, the next five minutes because we were too busy laughing at our own genius. I don't know what you're Whereas talking about. They My know, comedic timing yeah. is perfect. Never yeah, is. We would never be a dead horse. No, yeah, never, but. never. But then, then three other reviewers, whereas these guys know, all right, you did a joke that landed pretty well. Give a minute breathing room. Okay. Now throw in a soft, throw in a minor chuckle. You know, there's, there's a, there's a craft to it for sure. So with that in mind, let's rate the craft of this particular uh, MS3K show episode. How many hobgoblins would you give it? Um, uh, yeah, go ahead, rating, Are we rating, rating the movie and the MSK uh, again? Yes, yes. Okay, rate the film itself and the MS3K. Okay, film. I consider it... Mm, I, I'm going to give it a one. I don't know if I could give it. I want to give it zero, but I'm like, we've seen worse films that have made me actually physically sick. So I don't <laughs> don't know if I can give it zero, but I can't give it much more than one because this is a bad film. It can't be worse than that which shall not be named. I was about Silence. to say we bailed out of that review like 32 minutes into it because we were just done. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I can't give it zero or negative, but I cannot give it a high score at all. It is a terrible film. And I really don't see... There are some B-films that have redeeming characteristics. I don't really even see the ones in this. It is that bad. Okay. MSK's version, though? It gets up there. I... I with them ripping it and helping it along, I, I, again, I can't. I want to specify this rating that I am rating it as an MSK because it is still a bad film. And if I was just, oh, how do you rate this film with their commentary? And it's still going to be pretty bad. But if I'm rating it as an MSK event and as the them ripping it and I'm going into it as a comedy aspect of it then it gets up there and I'm going to give it a 7 a 7.5 cuz it is comedy it has the moments it makes me laugh I'm enjoying myself that so the movie itself I'm going to give a I'm going to give it a one and a half. And this is odd because the only reason I'm giving it a one and a half is that I do believe that, although I joked about it, I do believe with a couple minor cast corrections, this is a much more watchable film. It's just, it's very tough to watch when the acting is the quality of our opening skit. Um, it's very tough to get through a movie like that. So if you, if you mix in some, some, a better cast, um, instead of some volunteer film students, you might have been more watchable and you, you might have been able to focus more on the story that's going on, even though there's not much of a story. 
a little better uh, cinematography. There's something here that is still very horrible, but not Star Crash bad or Space Mutiny bad. Um, but the fact of the matter that they didn't have the budget or the talent at any part of the production to bring it to the screen <clears throat> drops it back down. So I'll give it a one and a half based on potential to be remade into something that could be a three. Um, MS, MST3K. MS, yeah, MST3K. MST3K <laughs> rating. Uh, okay. might, be, might be controversial here. I'm going to give it a six. Um, as a piece of no, parody, that seems typical for you. As a piece of parody, it's above average, but I don't think that this particular episode of MSTK or what's going on there really rises to me saying it's a it's a master class in satire and parody. Um, you know, it it made me laugh, and it's above average, but I I don't know if I put it up there as something that gets much above that heading into the heading to the elite uh status of the craft for this episode so i'll leave it as a six it's above average fair enough uh so for the film itself on the sliding b scale i give it a seven or eight because you know for me the harder you try the worse it is the funnier it is the more i like it uh, that's all there is to it. Um, and it's short, blessedly short. I do have a limit. If this were like a three hour movie, I would hate it and give it a zero, but blessedly these things are short enough that I can enjoy and then walk away. At, an least, at least you have limits. I do. MS three K, uh, MS three TK or whatever that gets an eight. Uh, of course, I helped to pick episodes that I really enjoyed. And the downside of this was primarily that um, the, some of the jokes are dated. Compared to their other work, which usually if there's a dated joke, it's only a couple and who cares. This one, they, they piled on the dated jokes a little bit more. Of course, they didn't feel that way when they wrote it, but... Um, Again, it that does tend to dated writing, whether it's jokes or even just dialogue, is something that I've noticed really doesn't land. And we've really upped that without getting too far down a rabbit hole. Um, the a lot of writing today is written in such a way that 10 years from now, it's not going to work because it's so bloody dated. It's so written as though it were written for Twitter, which means it's gone and its utility is done in five days. Uh, and so uh, that, that, that knocks it down at least two points for me, but overall, it seems like we enjoyed the film, uh, the review, huh? For the most part. Yeah. The parody. The yes. Part. Yeah. The parody. Well, of course the parody. So, well, if you enjoyed that one, next week we'll be doing, uh, well, let's just say it's, uh, it's about a special, well, I'll just bury the, I'll just tell you what it is. It, next week was going to be Prince of Space, which was another one that, wow, when I saw this, it was so funny, it hurt. Let's see if it keeps doing the same thing. Uh, so, 
in the meantime, you can check us. You can go to our Discord site, uh, check out the other shows on Raving Lunatic Media, such as the Caseatorium, which has the Case of the Chills, Case Closed, and um, Cold Case Chase. ZTF, which will be a little later this this month. Usually it's the first Saturday, but there was it'll just be a little bit later. But count on that. We'll have our next ZTF chapter plus a short coming out soon this month. So keep your eye out for that. You can contact us at through our Discord page, Raving Lunatic Media, or you can also contact us at www.donkeymudrat ravinglunaticmedia.com ravinglunaticmedia.com <laughs> ravinglunaticmedia.com Rage Master what's left for you to do? Stay sick, sickies. 